Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. In our house at Christmas, everything is upside down. And I mean that almost literally after everything has been unwrapped and it looks like there's a bomb that has gone off. And just the process of putting the house back together uh, takes a minute or two. Maybe all of the Christian holidays and seasons are like that. But Christmas has always been upside down. And no one tells the story of the upside down better than the upside down Christmas better than Luke, who seems intent as a writer to capture all of the threads, all of the tones, all of the notes that make up for an upside down story. When Luke starts his gospel and he is winding into the narrative of Jesus' birth, he doesn't rush into it. Nothing like John, where John just basically says the word was God, was with God, was with God in the beginning, and then he came to earth, right? The gospel of Mark opens like this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just right there. Matthew gets into it a little bit quicker at least, but Luke, Luke savors the morning. Luke savors the story of Jesus coming into the world. And before he gets to the story of Jesus coming, he opens with notes of all the old reversal stories. Stories where the train of the narrative was going in one direction and then something happened to uh, to flip the script, to make things a little bit different. You know the story of John the Baptist when he was born. In in Luke chapter 1, Luke captures this story of how John is going to come into the world and have something to say about Jesus. But he captures it not just as starkly and as simply as that. He reminds us that the story of John's birth was itself like one of the old reversal stories. And, and, John, and Luke, like, like a maniac artist, thinks of what's the best way to capture that reversal moment that is John's coming into the, way, into the world. And he remembers the story. He remembers how John's mother, Elizabeth, was a woman who had long awaited childbirth. It's a common enough pain, and many of us have had that as part of our story. The the story of waiting for a child is something that for many, many families, way too many than we often talk about out in the open, is a story that can be painful and hard. And when Luke tells us the story of Elizabeth, he's reminding us of all those earlier stories that are part of Israel's canon that tell about children that came into the world that reversed the script for their mothers, whether that's the birth of of Samuel that flips the script of Hannah. Samson's mother is very much in the same way. Or maybe you would think about uh, some of the other mothers who are 
our long wait for long-awaited children isn't Israel's story itself. The story of not just father Abraham, but of mother Sarah, who had to wait long, long years before her child Isaac came into the world. So when Luke tells us the story of a mother waiting long for a child, she's bringing an echo in of all those reversal stories. Stories of longing that were flipped upside down, brought into being. And then there's the story of, of Mary. And Mary, when she uh, finally is, is kind of coming to grips with Jesus' birth into the world, she sings a song of praise that we call the Magnificat. And it's a song that goes like this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty-handed. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And if you look into Hannah's story that we just referenced, you'll find a song that sounds very much like that. And it also echoes some of the other victory songs that Israel learned to sing at the hands of some other women. Remember the victory song of Deborah or the victory song of Miriam at the sea when God overthrew the powerful Pharaoh and raised up lowly Israel into freedom. So a woman who finally celebrates a long-awaited child Another woman who celebrates victory over the powerful forces of the world when everything looked like it was all lowliness and humiliation. Luke is calling on some of the greatest hits in the reversal songs of Israel. He knows what he's doing. He's setting the stage for an incredible reversal story but there's one more note left to be played in this incredible symphony of reversal and maybe it was the greatest of all of Israel's reversal stories it's certainly the longest one in the way it plays out it starts off with the prophet going to the city of Bethlehem and finding an old man named Jesse, summoning him and saying, one of your children is going to be the new king of Israel. Now Jesse, apparently not bashful about the fact that Israel already had a king who wasn't showing any signs of stepping down. Jesse throws a feast 
And the prophet Samuel has, the child, uh, has his oldest son brought to him. And just before he can pour the oil, the anointing oil over his head and de you know, declare that he will be the new king over Israel, God stops him and says, no, not, not him, <laughs> not him. And so Samuel has Jesse bring his sons in turn from the oldest on in. Not this one, the Lord says, not this one, not this one. As good looking as they are, as strong and as mighty as they appear. These soldiers will not be the king of Israel. For God does not see as man sees, he tells. He tells Samuel, the Lord tells Samuel. For man only looks on the outside, but the Lord looks on the heart. Finally, there are no sons left. And so Samuel says to Jesse, is that, is that all you have? It seems like a whole prophetic errand run awry. Jesse says there is one more, but he is but a boy, and he is out tending the flocks. And so they send for the little shepherd boy, and you already know his name. For it was the little shepherd boy that would become King David. Now his reversal story took a little bit longer even than that, right? It was be many years of him uh, before his rise, his eventual rise took place. And he suffered much at the hand of King Saul. Was chased all over the world. But eventually, God would not be denied. And the one whom he declared would be king was king indeed. King David, from his lowly birth, raised high to be the king over Israel. Because of that, Israel always had a thing for shepherds. And so when Luke tells his story, he cannot help but take us not only to Bethlehem, the city of the great king, but he takes us out into the fields. I think we're ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let's read from Luke chapter two. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord 
shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now into Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they may known what had been told them about this child and all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured all of these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let the people of God say, Amen. This incredible story of the shepherds is immortalized in who knows how many paintings and plastic scenes on the front lawns of, uh, of the world. A story of how when the King Jesus came into the world, it was not the, the princes of the world, it was not the ambassadors that were given the invites, but rather it was just the shepherds from outside the city on the fields. That those shepherds were invited to be first witnesses of the king who had come into the world. And how fitting it is, right? Because when Luke is playing it, didn't you hear the notes? It wasn't just shepherds. It was shepherds in the city of David, right? In the city of the great king. Those were the ones who were summoned to come and see the beginning of this one final last reversal story. It was shepherds who were invited, were invited to come and to behold him. And not only to behold him, but to join in the choir of angels who were singing. Notice all of the things that the shepherds experience in this story. They not only are encountering the single angel there, but as though heaven itself can't contain the news, before long it's an entire multitude of angels that are around there. And it says that not only is there the multitude of angels that is there, but it was the glory of God all around them. This is what they experience in a moment. They experience all that before they've even seen the boy. Then they're given the clues, right? Signs, the thing to look for. Go and find him a baby wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. This is the city where he is. They're given a map, sort of. 
shows them where to go. How did they do that going through the streets of Bethlehem? No star for them. The Magi get that in in Matthew's version. The shepherds, are they just supposed to wander through Bethlehem listening at every door? Oh, here a baby here. On to the next one. And yet somehow the clue is just enough. And they find their way in and they find the child. And although they rudely make their way into the uh, delivery room, they are there and they bear witness to Jesus. And it's so much, it's enough that they see it. It's enough that they see it and they know it, that they go into the rest of the world and they share with everybody that they've seen. And how could they not, right? How could they not? go and start talking like a bunch of lunatics about all the things that they had seen that night. Who knows if anybody believed a word. But God was glorified. When the shepherds returned, they were glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and everything that they had seen. The shepherds are good models for us. The starts off just minding their own business, right? just taking care of the sheep in the hills. But before long, they hear a rumor of the Messiah. They hear something and then they go and they find out for themselves and they see it and they witness it. And then they bear that witness into the world, going and sharing it as they are. And it's not a bad place for us, right? We've heard clues about where the Messiah was born. We've heard clues about what he looks like on earth. We've been given insight into where to find Jesus. And if we'll go into the city with open eyes, open ears, maybe we'll have to listen at every door. Don't be too creepy. But we'll hear the echoes of the Christ child. And we'll see the places where what we recognize is not just a child dressed up in his Christmas jammies, but we'll see the Messiah present, somehow here again. We'll see that when the things that we find, that we've come to look for, that we've trained our eyes to see and trained our ears to hear, we'll hear the word of Jesus in our city. We'll see the signs of Jesus's love, the signs of Jesus's coming into the world everywhere we go. And we'll be left to bear witness and to share what we see and what we hear with those around us. There's one last note that I want to say about these shepherds. And it's that I think that part of what Luke is doing in drawing them into our story is to remind us of one other thing. Now, David was indeed the great shepherd of Israel. He was the king shepherd who was obviously brought up and raised to sit on Israel's throne. But what you might not know is that that idea of a shepherd king was a pretty common idea in the ancient world. Not necessarily of a literal shepherd that became king, But kings were often talked about as shepherds. We talked about this in our encouragers class that's been working through the Psalms when we got to Psalm 23. 
We talked about how we have records of kings like the king of Assyria or Babylonian kings talking about themselves like a shepherd for their people. It was a common metaphor about the way that kings were supposed to take care of their people. But sometimes it was a metaphor that went awry. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 34, has this to say about the kings and the rulers, the ruling class of his people, of Israel in, this, in his day. Ezekiel says, the word of the Lord came to me, mortal or son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fallings, but you don't feed the sheep. You have, you have not strengthened the weak, and you have not healed the sick, and you have not bound up the injured, and you have not sought the loss, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And scattered they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep were scattered, and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or to seek for them. Remember how Jesus at one point sees the people and he sees that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? Ezekiel 34 goes on with this prophetic word to the kings of his day. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild animals since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherd have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds and I will demand my sheep from their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search out for my sheep. I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of darkness and thick clouds. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountains heights of Israel shall be their, uh, their pasture and they shall lie down in good grazing land. They shall feed on good pasture in the mountains of Israel and I myself, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the straight and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will feed them with justice.
Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, between you push, because you push with flank and shoulder and butted out of the weak animals, out with your horns and scatter them far and wide. I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged and I will judge between sheep and sheep and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. In Ezekiel, the prophet says that God looks out over all of his people who are harassed and helpless, whose shepherds, whose kings, whose princes are not helping them like they should. God says, I will look out over all of them and I will come and I will be their shepherd. I will come to be their king, the Lord says. Ezekiel helps us Find the imagination of a long-awaited day where God will put to end all of the injustice at work in the world. All of the things that scatter and make helpless the sheep. And God says, there will come a day where I will come. I will be the king and I will make it right. When Luke is capturing all of those images at the beginning of his book, he's letting us know that in Bethlehem was not just born another lost soul. He's letting us know that God had come to become king. That Jesus was the long-awaited king. Luke captures all these stories and whips all the threads into the most amazing tapestry. All of these reversal stories coming into one story. The story of how King Jesus comes to flip everything upside down again. How King Jesus comes to take a broken world and heal it Take everything that is lost and find it. Take everything broken and make it right. There are so many things to be celebrated in Christmas. It's a time when rightfully we celebrate and remember family. I'll always think about my grandma's table at Christmas time. It's time when we celebrate things like the joy of childhood, right? But for me, and for us, in this time, I think right at the center of what we celebrate is we celebrate that God has chosen not to stand afar, but God has chosen to come near that King Jesus has come into the world. 
Let us be people who draw near into the city of David, who come into Bethlehem alongside all those shepherds with all that they represent. Let's listen at every door. Let's hear in the sound of the city crying Christ child who is the one true king. Let's pray together. Oh Lord God, we give thanks that King Jesus has come into the world. We have seen and heard. May we speak about the things that we've seen and heard to those we encounter. And God, may your glory live not only in our own hearts, but in the heart of the city, in the heart of all those that know us. May the glory of God come not just around a small group of us, but may your glory fill the earth as people come to bow the knee to the King. In Jesus we pray. Amen.